With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. 16-3 the final. Not exactly the outcome that Cowboys fans were looking for as we got football underway in Canton, Ohio. Steelers versus Cowboys. Cowboys not coming out on top. We have got John Mishota of The Athletic to weigh in. But before we get to him, Bobby, your initial thoughts. Uh, Mike Parsons is exciting. That's about it. The quarterback uh, situation behind Dak Prescott's a little concerning. I think that's uh, that's pretty... Uh, you're crossing your fingers about health of your quarterback and your tackles right now, I think, is the first impression from this first preseason game. My favorite moment of the game didn't even happen in the game. It happened off the field in the pregame. Jerry and Jimmy, if you missed it, here you go. When are you going to put Jimmy in the ring of honor? Well, I think that's fair to say. Uh, shall we do it right here? Or shall Absolutely. We, how, how's it? We've got time. we got thing. plenty of time. <laughs> well, you pick the game, I think we can go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've got some great days ahead of us. Yeah. I know we are going to certainly be recognizing what's happening here with the Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, Tex Ram, who started that ring of honor, said, Jerry, Keep it, keep it kind of limited with people, but make sure it wasn't just about the plays they made. Make sure they contributed to the story of the franchise. Now, it's kind of hard to not recognize (laughs) this contribution to the story of the franchise. No doubt. So are we making an announcement here? Well, we can be. If we can, I don't know how we're going to upstate. No, yeah, you can. Go ahead. Make the announcement. But we'll be in the ring of honor. There we go. Jerry, right. we'll, love it. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah, I will be there. While I'm alive? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be able to make it through this Hall of Fame ceremony? <laughs> Jerry Jones, incredibly introspective this season. Is it because the ball was taken away from him, as I've said, because of COVID, not being able to interact the way he has? Or is it because Father of Time is beginning to catch up? Let's hope that we have plenty more years with Jerry Jones because he is so meaningful and impactful to this game. I don't think we'd have the season that we have, the fans in the stands, Bobby, if it wasn't for uh, the vision of Jerry Jones to get things back to normal. But enjoyed that moment. 
And the biggest takeaway, Jimmy Johnson going in the ring of honor where a lot of fans and myself included believe that he belongs. Let's get real quick to John Mashoda. All right. We are now joined by a friend of the show and one of my buddies out at training camp, John Mashoda. How are you, buddy? I know that it's helped this year to have access to the football field and get content because there are a few better on the beat with putting content out there. And that hurts my soul as content queen to say that. But do you love being up close and personal and being able to smell the players again, John? Oh, I mean, I can say this right now. My biggest concern driving to Oxnard was after I got to LAX was, was, all right, what's the social media policy going to be this year? Because we didn't really know for sure until we got there. And so I had some other media members that got there a little bit early who did screen grabs of what the media policy was and sent it to me as I was driving over just to be sure that we could take video. I was really nervous about that because every team isn't allowed to take video. And for me, I just, I love being able to post that stuff immediately. And I know fans eat it up. And then the other part of it is too, is, you know, going into these camp practices, you don't really know what you're going to get. And I'll be honest, these last few practices have been pretty boring, especially without Dak being out there. But the key has been CD Lamb and just how almost every practice it's like, well, you can at least come out of this with at least one decent CD Lamb clip. And so that's been enjoyable. Well, and I think, you know, to peel the curtain back a little bit, every time they push you back on the social media policy, I feel like it's a conduit to get the fans excited, right? Like we're supposed to be the eyes and ears. And it does feel like camp has been a little boring. You don't have the off the field drama of Zeke not showing up because he's in Cabo and he's holding out for a new contract. You don't have the lingering questions about, you know, Dax contract situation, you know, Des isn't there anymore. who used to be a, a big draw. And then I think back to when I joined the network, Tony Romo had of course injured himself at camp, then Kellen Moore. And then this guy Dak became the storyline. So I I'm glad that the Cowboys see the value of having us be the eyes and ears out there. But again, I just want to get your take on this. It does feel like Jerry appreciated what the media does for teams while we're out there. He has been more complimentary than usual of, of media, which I, but it also feels like he just missed everything that came with it. The good and the bad, which is something I've always appreciated about Jerry. Absolutely. There's, there's no, question about that and that's why you know I don't think every single team in the NFL I don't think every GM every owner would be thrilled to have hard knocks cover their training camp but like with Jerry Jones I think he genuinely enjoys it and will make sure that they get some good stuff whereas I don't think every team is like that and this training camp going into it and even a few months before we we got to camp I I sensed that from Jerry him talking how much he wanted things to get back to normal and with Jerry, it's interesting because I don't know that there's many people that the pandemic, you know, negatively impacted in terms of like just how they are as a person taking health out of it, obviously, but just as your interactions, like Jerry is a people person. He wants to be around people. You know, everyone sat there during the draft, you know, two years ago and talked about how great it must have been to be on this yacht. Jerry doesn't want to be on that yacht. I've heard Jerry say that he doesn't like being on that yacht for more than a couple of days because he just doesn't like being there. That's not that's not a Jerry thing. He got that yacht for his wife. That's why it's named after his wife. Like Jerry wants to be around people. And last year he couldn't do that. And even when he was around, he had to wear a mask and stay distance. Like, no, Jerry doesn't want that. Jerry wants to be around reporters. I don't know that there's any owner that appreciates having reporters and media around more than Jerry does. And so to get back to this setting out in Oxnard, where you're just able to get closer to the field and be around the players a lot more than you can back at the star, 
Absolutely. Jerry Jones wanted that. I think if you leave it up to Mike McCarthy, they probably don't do a lot of this stuff, but Jerry wants to do it. And Mike's got to do what Jerry wants to do. Well, and to that point, so nobody's happier that the things are kind of returning to normalcy uh, than Jerry. So do you think there's anybody more unhappy than Mike McCarthy that uh, he has to like stand up there with you guys every day now? Um, he would be at the top of my list. I can tell just by the fact of training camps, a good spot that where you can probably pull a coach aside, maybe for a quick, like, uh, what we used to call the walk off with Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy was not having that at the uh, camp practices I've been at. Uh, you know, he might say a quick comment, but he's trying to get out of there immediately. No, he's not trying to make any small talk after he leaves the podium. And I mean, he even made the joke, uh, multiple times where we're out there that, you know, he almost crashed his truck when Jerry told him that they were going to have hard knocks. So, uh, and then you see the little bit of a teaser uh, about him talking about the Super Bowl a, a week ago that they teased and, and, and showing a little clip from what hard knocks is going to be shown next week uh, towards the end of the preseason game, you know, Thursday night against the Steelers. That's stuff that I'm sure Mike McCarthy doesn't want getting out there. But I think, you know, from, from what Dak said, it sounds like it's a real give and take with the NFL, whereas like when he's mic'd up, they're going to get some good stuff, but they're also going to protect them and keep some stuff out. So they're going to, there's going to be interesting moments, but there's also going to be certain things that they cut out because they don't want in there. And, and I think Mike McCarthy is going to want to say in some of those things, because this is far, far, far away from the way things are running green Bay. This is, this is a lot different, but with that being said, he knew what he was getting into when he, when he took this job. Did he though? Because I feel like there's guys like, I, I think back to Randall Cobb in the locker room with this, John, when he said, this feels like, playoff media. I think people have an idea of what Dallas is like, but you've covered other teams. When I go to other locker rooms and other facilities and I'm around other coaches and other PR departments, it is substantially different. And even when I try and think of owners with similar clout, like I think of the shot cons in Jacksonville, like Tony Khan is your next Jerry Jones in the sense that he loves being around football. He loves everything that comes with urban I'm actually shocked that they said no to the hard knock uh, cameras, which I didn't think you could. Uh, but Tony's kind of your next enthusiastic. I'm obsessed with it. Whereas I think there's a lot of owners who genuinely care about the team and the sport, but I don't think that they derive the sort of pleasure, excitement, live for the highs and lows, the way some of these, these other teams feel. But I also feel like Mike has leaned in a bit more this year. He seems a little softer and again, this is this is very early on, uh, John. He seems a little softer. Seems like he got a little media training. Uh, he's a little bit more engaging. And I will say this. You do get very full and complete answers with Mike. Something that we didn't get from uh, J- Jason last year. And before we move on and start actually talking about this Hall of Fame game, got to ask you to weigh in on, on Jason Garrett. Uh, real quick, Bobby, I think we've got the clip from yeah. him with the New York Giants media. Ken, good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we say good to see you, coach. That's how we do it. All right, John, weigh in. So when I first saw the clip uh, yesterday from, from the Giants interaction, well, first of all, I didn't see the clip first. I saw a tweet describing what happened. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is like a Deion Sanders thing. Like Jason really pulled this as, as the OC in New York. Okay. Let's, I can't wait to see this video immediately went to the giants website, wanted to see if they had posted it, it knowing that they might cut off the end because a team website can certainly do that. 
But then the video got posted and I was like, oh, that's the same Jason Garrett that, you know, we're, we're used to or whatever like that. Oh, interestingly enough. So I send that to my brother who I talk about the Cowboys and what goes on behind the scenes with him more than probably anybody. And when I sent it to him and he's heard me talk many a times about Jason Garrett, his takeaway was like, no, I, I think he really wanted them to call him coach or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, coming from another perspective. But to me, being around Jason Garrett, I didn't take it that way. So but I can understand where, where people do. I mean, I, I personally, when I see the video, I, I kind of thought it was funny that he took a Sharpie marker and wrote fight on, on, <laughs> on it because that was such a, a motto of his with the Cowboys. And he's clearly I've seen him wear fight shirts now with the Giants. I'll say this going back to what you said about Mike McCarthy, giving long answers and things like that. With Jason, Jason, I believe now more than ever wanted the walk off because that gave him a chance to further explain things, not on the podium and give us a little bit more background. Because, I mean, Jane, those walk offs sometimes would be 10, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes you get a lot of like background and you could explain things further. Whereas what you get on the podium from Mike is all you're getting. And so because of that, I I think he's trying to be a little bit more forthcoming um, this year but he hasn't lost any games yet. And then the other part is, is he is coming off of a very disappointing six and 10 season when it was sold that we're bringing this guy in because he's going to help us take the next step. This isn't a rebuild. And so I think it's, it's in his best nature right now to try and be, uh, you know, everything's great. Let's, you know, let's be positive and things like that. But if they start losing and they look anywhere like they did last year and discombobulated, too many guys on the field, not enough guys on the field, just, you know, plays just being run where you're like, do you even practice this stuff? If it looks like that over again, when you've had a normal off season, I don't know that we're going to get these long in-depth answers, but, and then the one other thing I want to say is to your point about the Jags, I fully expect the Jags to do hard knocks next year. I think the only reason they didn't do it this year is because I don't, don't, you can't do it with a first year head coach. And so I think just because urban's new, I think that's the only reason they didn't, but they seem like I just an absolute layup to do it next year. You know, I, and I go back and forth on this Mike McCarthy experiment, you know, if he were to have a repeat of last year and there weren't the injuries to justify it, would he still be around? And in all of my conversations with the Cowboys, John, I'm sure you've had similar ones. They are all in on him. They are. I, I have very, I have been stopped in my tracks multiple times during conversations about him where they are all like emphasized to me. We love Mike. Mike's my guy. So every time I think, well, Dan Quinn looks real good out there. The players seem really energetic to play for Dan and we don't even have to ask them how they feel about Dan and they volunteer it. I think of, you know, when it was Wade uh, Phillips and Jason Garrett waiting in the wings, is it going to not very different than when he even told the story about Jimmy Johnson and, you know, bringing in Barry Switzer, you know, do they have this guy waiting in the wings? I, I am, I'm conflicted now, John. I don't know. I agree with you. Everything I've heard from the Cowboys front office is that they're absolutely in love with Mike. Now, I don't think that they necessarily would want to leak out before his second season that this is make or break. I just, I don't get the sense that they would do that right now, but yeah, it certainly appears that they're more bought in behind the scenes and let's say maybe us in the media, mm-hmm. but just speaking from my own perspective, because you know, you get a lot more access to other teams I'm, I find myself when I'm constantly out there practice, not even doing this on purpose, just kind of subconsciously. It's like, I'm comparing it to the way things were run with Jason Garrett. And it's just not like that, whether it's the organization in practice, whether it's just the way, you know, Jason carried himself in practice, 
to just kind of the juice in practice. I mean, maybe just the, that they had more music playing or things like that. Things the way to look, he interacted with yeah. his quarterback and the play. I mean, we don't see Mike out there throwing the ball with the quarterbacks the way that we saw Jason Garrett doing it. It, it well, did feel like a very authentic interaction with him sometimes in the players. It did. And so I guess my biggest takeaway is that there's not one way to do things because, because of some stuff I, I've written and been researching lately for some offseason projects for the athletic and some you know, older cowboy stuff, you know, Tom Landry didn't keep a really close relationship with anybody, including Roger Staubach. Like that just wasn't that they weren't like that until after we know that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady weren't like that when they were playing together. And so I hold those two in some of the highest standards. And when I look back on some of that stuff, I think now, and I didn't know this at the time, and I certainly wasn't saying this at the time, but I'm like, those guys never would have went to Duke with Tony Romo. Those guys never would have went to SMU with Tony Romo and Jason Witten and things like that. So while Jason did that, and I agree with you, it made him seem like he's closer to those guys and they had a better relationship. I don't think Mike wants that. And I think it's because he, he knows that at any minute he has to make a tough decision and he doesn't want to get too close with a guy that he might have to make, you know, a cut or reduce his playing time or whatever. And so I've gotten that sense from him where he is players first. I mean, everything about the way his camps are structured, practices during the week, it's all the try and keep these guys as healthy as possible. Um, and the way he talks I, about them. Right. Even though that didn't work out last year in terms of the health, but we'll see. I mean, maybe it was just bad luck. We'll see how that runs this year. But he certainly seems like a player's first coach and doing things that makes it most comfortable for them. But I also don't see him grabbing a beer with any of these guys. No. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, to your point, I, I do wonder if there's a layer there that because Jason played in Dallas and he was a player that he feels more, he felt more of a connection to those guys. He wasn't that far removed from being in the locker room and, you know, putting on his pants the same way as they say, and maybe with Mike McCarthy and the Bill Belichick's the world, they're not quite like that. Uh, you know, Sean Payton, I cover the saints. He's a little bit like that, but he's a lot more like Bill Parcells, even though, you know, he played, you know, obviously like had a cup of coffee in the league played at Eastern you know, Illinois, there was some kinship there, but there was also a lot, there's also a lot of removal with him and the players. And so, yeah, maybe Mike is walking that line a little bit. It's just when people ask me about Mike McCarthy as a coach, I think all of us are trying to give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt last year because of the way things went down. And then also trying to make sure we remove some of the comparisons with Jason Garrett, because it's just different in Dallas. It's different the way the coach interacts with, with the front office, the owner, Everything is different. So I have tried to just say, remove some of the bias. You know, we try to on a daily basis as a reporter, but give him the best shot possible. But that then transitions transitions us to the Hall of Fame game. Well, hold on. One more, one more thing I wanted to add on that, Jane, real quick. is just that the other part of it, too, that makes me wonder sometimes when I see Mike carry himself that way and it be different from kind of what we saw with Jason is that I felt like the Cowboys during the Jason Garrett era, like Jason Garrett wanted to be the face. He wanted to be the leader. He wanted everything to kind of go through him, whether that was on purpose or not. I feel like Mike wants the players to take over like that. He wants them to be the leaders. He wants the guys in the locker room to kind of take that forefront. And part of me thinks, well, maybe that is the difference in the postseason. You know, maybe that is the, the thing that 
help them get to as you know the NFC Championship games and win a Super Bowl in Green Bay. So maybe this does work. I mean, I'm I'm skeptical, but at the same time, I know that there's more than one way to do things, and maybe his style is more about empowering. Let's let these guys take over. Not to say Jason Garrett didn't do that. I just out of what I've seen from Mike McCarthy so far, it, it really seems like he wants certain players to kind of step up, take the leadership mantle, them to kind of be the face of this thing and him kind of be like, I'm going to be the CEO, but I don't need, I don't really care about being in the forefront of it. I, I don't, bad assessment. I, I mean, I, and I guess I'll be negative Nancy on McCarthy uh, here because my, my thing is that, okay, I think there's a difference between not wanting to be too personable and having too close a relationship with players and not appearing buddy, buddy, the way Belichick and some of these other guys do and keeping it professional and just being flat out removed, which I think is something that may have been the case last year. And I don't think should be the case moving forward. And when we talk about relationships, this is a guy who last year, I think in large part made some of these poor coaching hires based on the buddy system and bringing in friends like Mike Nolan. And so I I don't think that there's a full pass here on Mike McCarthy. I think a year into this, he's made a lot of, poor decisions and not just from obfuscation, but from actually actively involving himself in a poor decision. Well, but I also would, I would submit here uh, to give you a little bit of Sally sunshine. At least he owns some of it. Like I do feel like he's owned it. The Cowboys have certainly not absolved him of it either. I mean, Stephen Jones has, has was asked if it was a combination, if this was just bad luck or if it was a combination of bad luck and bad decisions. And he essentially said to paraphrase here, John, it was a mixture of both. So I don't think there, I don't think anybody is uh, naive enough to think, well, this was all very much a result of the pandemic and the situation he came in. I think there was a lot of going back to the drawing board. Uh, And, and I do, I do wonder sometimes if this organization and the expectations for it, would have been a little bit different if they had made those changes in the middle of the season defensively, if that would have helped this team out at all. But then I think back and I don't know if that would have helped either, you know, then it would have felt very reactive last season. And you almost kind of had to give those guys the rest of the season to figure it out and a bigger body of work in order to really realize, yeah, we've got a problem here. Maybe, but I mean, they partially saved their season in 2018 by making an offensive line change in the middle of the year. And that was a a big part. A lot of those issues that they had with Paul Alexander kind of straightened out when they brought in Mark Colombo. So, I mean, there is that balance. How long has Paul been there? Eight weeks. That was his first year. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you're going from like. I get it's different. It's it's not. Yeah, I get it's different. Defensive coordinator and a defensive. Look, I I think I think if they if they could have anticipated COVID being what it was, I think they would have held on to Jason for another year anyway. I think. They That's wanted fair. as few changes as possible. So I get that once they were in it, they wanted to just be married and, and not make any more changes. But, uh, you know, it, it's just like I say, I think that there is. And, and to your point, I think Mike McCarthy has taken more responsibility than, you know, the, he deserves credit for taking as much responsibility as he has. I remember last year when uh, your story came out that uh, when Mike got asked about it, Mike had a better response about it than Jerry did which is when you're losing football games, this is how people talk. This isn't anything unusual. I'm not concerned about it. We just need to get back to winning football that he didn't even, you know, he wasn't finger pointing. He wasn't doing the, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch. This is coward. Mike was saying, this is what happens when you lose football. So yeah, I get it. People are frustrated. Let's get back to it. So I do think there is 
a bit of a steady hand with McCarthy that is valuable. It's just I do think there are a lot of things that need to be corrected heading into this year. They can't just run it back and say, well, if it's healthy, we'll be good. There, there's a lot of things logistically that have to change this year. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. But there's a chance that if they are just healthy, they will be good. They'll be, I think they can, if they are fully healthy, they're a playoff contender. I don't think you can do enough to switch how bad that defense was to be a Super Bowl contender this year. No, but I feel like if Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are healthy, there's just enough weapons on that offense. Sure. that They'll win the even, division if that happens. I yeah, that I think that they'll still win a decent amount of games. And frankly, you know, Jane, you mentioned earlier about like, what if, you know, certain things would happen if Mike doesn't come back after one year. Like I've always felt like Mike was getting at least two and probably three years at, at the minimum to, to try and get this thing where they want it to be. So, you know, I think that they'll get past six wins. And I think they will win the NFC East and, and whether they make a playoff run or not is another topic. But I, I think that they'll do enough for him to at least get one more year out of this. And then, you know, if they're not winning playoff games in year three, even though I know Cowboys fans don't want to wait that long because that's the reason they got rid of Jason Garrett, then I think they go in another direction. Jerry doesn't want to wait that long. Yeah. We always talk about the windows closing sense of urgency. It feels even more significant now. I think having the ball taken away from him, not being at camp, not being around these guys. He wants to win. And, and, you know, I've said this before, if I had the money and the yacht, you know, at his age, I'm living my best life, John. Like I've got the most profitable sports organization in all of the world. People are going to come if we're eight and eight or, I mean, even after last season, people still showed up in the stands. You know, people still care about the Cowboys I'm living my life in San Tropez and I'm, I'm frequenting the islands. I don't know if I'm in Oxnard, California, sitting up, you know, in the 
you know, his skybox watching practice every day and dealing with media. But that's why I think when people kind of question his passion, when I've got, you know, let's go ahead and we'll put, we'll put 15 years on Jerry, you know, cause I feel like he can go that long. I'm not spending my last years doing what he's doing. So that's why I truly do believe if we see a season like we saw last year, he gone. <laughs> he gone. Well, I hope so. One other key part of that though, is yeah, you have to find the next person. And, and is it Dan Quinn in the building? I mean, well, if you want yeah, to walk I mean, about coach that your players respect and like, well, let's see how the defense plays this year. You know, we got to, I mean, everything right now with Dan Quinn seems great and everyone seems bought in, but let's just see how the season goes. And oh, I agree. Well I, I think it's less to do with what they're going to do on the field and more to do with at least the players respect and buy in, you know, at least they're not like checking out on this guy. I, that's to me, what was missing last year is I didn't think they were going to run through a wall for anybody on the coaching staff. Right. But if they do run through the wall for Dan, like we, believe they will from what we've seen so far this defense will be much better i mean and regardless of i mean there was just there was too many times last year when you were questioning if guys were even trying particularly late in second halves and games weren't even out of hand yet and you were like is this is this really what they're trying to do right now if if you don't see any of that then you'll know i mean the actions will speak louder than the words you'll know you will know if, if they've completely bought in and dan quinn pretty pretty quickly all right so action speaking louder than words Micah Parson has been a curious uh, rookie for me from the jump. He's very brash. He seems like the, like the little sibling who's constantly knocking on your door and wants to play, you know, with the older kids and your friends. And I've often wondered if that would rub certain players the wrong way, but he backs it up. He backs it up in camp. He backs it up in practice. And then he backed it up in the hall of fame game. What have you thought of Micah Parsons so far? I've been thinking that there's a good chance that, they probably lucked into another outstanding first round pick like they did with CD lamb. I mean, they're sitting there at 10 and, and they desperately want JC Horn or Patrick Sertan and both those guys go before them. So they're just kind of like, okay, well, what's our next plan. And for any of this talk of like, well, no, they liked Micah Parsons as much. Oh, did they, then you don't trade back to even 11, much less 12. You stay there and you take your guy. And from what I've seen in training camp, I mean, even in that first preseason game, he only plays the first two series, but right place at the right time, picks up the fumble. That's some, some of the same exact stuff we've seen in training camp. The very last practice before they, they left for Canton, really boring, not in pads, just in shells, just kind of going through, through the motions, tip ball, boom. Micah's in the right place at the right time, picks it off. And you're just kind of like every, not, I wouldn't say every practice, but it seems like almost every or every other practice, he seems to be making a play like that and just, the way he's been moving around and, and, and just kind of how they're using him to kind of be like, Hey, we're going to give you the freedom to just kind of roam and just make plays. I just think he's going to be in a great situation to, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, he'll be in the defensive rookie of the year conversation uh, all season. And, and right now he has to be the betting favorite there. And this is a guy that that was not, that was not their plan to take a Mike, Mike Parsons going into that draft. It was not their plan to take CD lamb and they might, I mean, there's, Big time luck involved in this. I remember Will McClay telling me that when I asked him how you find a franchise quarterback in the fourth round. I mean, there's you can't underestimate luck. Sometimes you just get lucky, and I think they might have got lucky with like with Micah Parsons. I think that one of the things that I really wanted to see from Micah Parsons because you can see it on practice, but it's still a little different once you're in shells and you're out there in game speed. Is one of the biggest things you hear from rookies consistently when you talk about like this jump to the NFL and how difficult it is. You can ask any position on the field. 
what's been the most difficult thing? They consistently say it's so fast. These guys are so fast. Like the fastest guy on my college team is every single guy on the field right now. And so they talk about how quick the game is. And so it's tough for speed to stand out. It's tough for quickness to stand out at the NFL level. And when it does, it's like, wow, that pops. And so that was one of the things I wanted to see. I want to say, okay, does like, does that Penn State speed that Micah Parsons have show up on an NFL field? And even if it is a Hall of Fame game and it's, you know, a bunch of guys who playing in this game aren't even going to be on NFL rosters here in a month or whatever, um, that would flash. And it did. I think you saw how quick he is, how strong he is. You saw how, you know, he'd take on blocks and he'd break things up. And so I thought that Micah Parsons... More than anything, I didn't want to see, you know, the instincts or anything else, which looked fine. I think the biggest thing I want to see is, does that athleticism translate? Does it carry over into the NFL? And it, it I think it clearly did. No, I agree. And, and I'm just amazed that he can play multiple positions already the way that they want him to. You know, I mean, there's certain things at Penn State that he just wasn't doing. One being, you know, shedding blocks and things like that that you expect from your linebackers. Um, but he's shown to be able to do all of that stuff so far. And, and I mean, not playing last year, he's clearly fresh. You know, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott obviously had a heavy workload at Ohio state, but 2016 Zeke was just, I mean, everything about him was just, he was fresh and it was just like nothing bothered him. He could, you know, lower the boom on a guy like Cam Chancellor or jump over a safety on another play. And just like, there's that, you know, youth youthfulness, just, I see that with Micah Parsons where it just like, even in practice, he's running down these plays where again, they're not tackling to the ground, but he's at least doing the things where you're just like, man, this guy is going to be all over the place. And I mean, as long as he continues to love the game, he's going to be a monster, but it just like from watching it from the sidelines, I'm just like doing all this seems exhausting, but he seems to be all about it. And he seems to really relish that idea of like, no, they're going to use me as this chess piece where one play I'm going to be rushing the passer might not even be off the edge. They might line me up in the middle. We've seen some of that in practice. I might play some on the outside, might play some on the inside linebacker. I can drop into coverage. I'm going to be all over the place. You know, I'm going to try and lead this team in sacks, interceptions, tackles, everything. And, and who knows? Maybe he does that. He does seem like a little Pac-Man out there. He just wants to move <laughs> right. all over the field. All right, so let's talk other positions of interest. I know to the fans, cornerback safety. Let's start with cornerback. Uh, obviously didn't see a lot of Trayvon Diggs, you know, yesterday. Uh, so what are we thinking is the guy playing opposite? I think it'll be Anthony Brown. I, I, Kelvin Joseph has, has a chance. I know the Cowboys like him a lot, but I just think that going into week one, Tom Brady, you're going to want your veterans out there. And so I, I think it'll be Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. The slot is what's interesting to me because Maurice Kennedy has really come on and it makes me wonder, damn, this is the player they got last year. Like if he didn't opt out, what would he have done last year? He, he has the most interceptions of anybody at camp with three right now. Um, you know, he, I thought he played pretty well last night against the Steelers. Uh, he just seems to constantly be making plays. And that's a guy that, you know, I, one year deal. I was kind of like, well, if he doesn't impress, he's probably not making this roster. I don't see any way you don't keep him. And so you're looking at, and obviously injuries happen, but you're looking at a good six, seven corners. If you're counting CJ Goodwin, even though he's a special teams guy that they're going to have to keep on this roster because, Either they've played to that that standard, or there's guys like Nishan Wright who he's he's shown glimpses, but also you're not cutting a, a you know a third round pick in his rookie season. But so they're looking like they have six solid corners. And and one thing I want to note is that I know that in some of these CD Lamb or a lot of these CD Lamb videos I posted, you know Trayvon Diggs is defending him, and, and people think that like he's having some bad. Camp. He's not having a bad camp. It just 
for one, they're not tackling to the ground. Just That's imagine being a defensive. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being a defensive back and, and you're sitting there and you're like what you're going to do in a game, do it about 75%. That's what you got to do in practice. You're not getting as much safety help. There's not a real pass rush. So the quarterbacks can throw uh, some of their best passes and be right on the money. on a lot of these things, I think Trayvon Diggs will be just fine. Uh, he just seems to have a knack for, for making plays. And so while I don't, he's not Byron Jones. We saw that last year where he's, you know, Byron Jones is not going to give up a big play, but he's probably not going to make a ton of plays either. Trayvon's going to give up some plays, but he's going to make a lot of big plays. Three interceptions last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he had five or six this year. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, to that point, uh, you mentioning there that they can't bring him to the ground and things like that. That's another thing fans need to understand is that these training camp practices are ripe for receivers to look like stars. Mm-hmm. That That's just what they, I mean, think back over the years of how many times fans have fallen in love with a receiver who ends up getting cut or who was like a fifth or sixth guy. And it's like, wow, this guy's made no impact. How many times has Noah Brown been a a star receiver at camp? And it's just, it's really tough. The way these drills are set up, the way the practices are allowed to happen, it's natural for the receivers to look like studs out there. That's why Malik Turner looks great and Noah Brown has looked great. Not that they can't carry that over, but it naturally is going to be a little bit tougher for the corners, which again, to that point, that's why it is so impressive that Maurice Kennedy has looked as good as he has. Well, shame on Jordan. You can't make the club if you're in the tub. You know, they brought Jordan Lewis back and Jordan's allowed Maurice Kennedy to shine in his absence. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, the other thing about Diggs too, though, I will say out of all the corners, like he is still very aggressive, even in these practices, Anthony Brown has been too, but it's, it stood out to me and that's good for CD. I mean, that's what you want. Your number one, well, number two or one, whatever he ends up he being this one. year. Yeah. He, I mean, he just, it's, it's hard for me not to see him emerging as that just because we're going to just see so much more of him being moved around, but no, I mean, Trayvon Diggs and him going against each other. I know it's cliche to say iron sharpens iron, but that's certainly what it appears like they're doing, you know, out in California. And the nice thing about that, unlike, you know, some other positions on the team, both of them, them have been healthy. So they've been going back and forth every single practice. And so it'll be interesting to see how much those guys play against the Rams on, on Saturday in that practice, uh, just to see them go against another team. But I, I got a feeling they're going to be a little limited in that as well. I do also appreciate what a quiet workhorse CD Lamb is. You don't hear much about him. You certainly don't see the flash off the field, at least not yet. Uh, we're so used to brash, loud wide receivers in Dallas, and he's just not that. I mean, he. None of them are, though. No. Is the crazy Gallup's part. not. Amari, I mean, Amari, I was cracking up at uh, Jory Epstein's tweet the other day talking about the, the use of the word cleave and you know, the way that Amari, Amari just literally makes you always second guess. Do I have the smartest questions for you? Because I literally feel like if you do not ask him a smart question the right way, he's not going to give you the goods. And so he is one of and, the most And it's, guys it's not in a condescending manner either. Like no. be clear, but it's literally in a way that it's like, I can't even, that, that question, I can't, I can't even compute what you just said. I genuinely need you to flesh it out for me better so I can give you an answer. And I'm telling you, the other day when he was saying that stuff, though, when you when you mentioned some of that stuff that Jory was tweeting, that's the best interview I think that we've had with Amari Cooper since he's been a cowboy, just because he just seemed really motivated talking about how like he's been around guys that when they've suffered injuries and setbacks where they've had, you know, several months to recover, how they've contemplated, like, how much more do I even want to do this? And they start thinking about retirement, where for him, it's been the exact opposite during going through all this. I mean, he gets. And I think it was January, he gets that, that ankle surgery and then has a setback from that. 
And this entire time he talked about how it just made him hungrier for the game. And that's a lot of stuff that you didn't really hear from him when he first joined the Cowboys or even when he was in Oakland and what making it maybe one of the reasons why the Cowboys were able to get him in, in the first place. And he just, it was a very motivated Amari Cooper that um, not to say he isn't motivated, but that's the first time like vocally he's got gotten to that level. It, it kind of surprised me. It was, it, it took me from being like, I think CD lambs emerges the number one here to after that 15 minutes or whatever, the Mari Cooper, I was like, I don't know if that, if it's going to be quite that easy of, of a jump there. And, and again, Mari fully expects to be ready to go week one, just because he isn't doing anything out in Oxnard. That's not because they think that he's suffered another setback or anything like that. Like they want him to be ready for the bucks. And, and he looks to be on, on track for that. Think how ready he was when he came into Dallas mid season. Remember during, you know, the trade, uh, I think a lot of us were shocked how ready he was. I just would love to read a bathroom book, deep thoughts, the Mari Cooper. <laughs> I literally could, I would love to just ask him anything like his thoughts on like parallel universe, the fourth dimension, the wall. I bet you he has very intense thoughts about all of it because he has intense thoughts about a route that did that busted or, uh, a play that didn't develop the way that he expected it to. I mean, I've always joked, he reminds me of a golfer when you walk him through a round, take me through the round and Jordan Spieth will walk you through all 18 holes. That's Amari Cooper. I feel like he can walk you through every single route in a game. Oh, and, he, and also a little bit like, you know, Roger Staubach after his career made all this money in real estate. Nothing would surprise me 20, 30 years from now if they're like, oh, Amari Cooper is one of the most successful like ex-NFL players, like, you know, he bought into Bitcoin when nobody even knew what Bitcoin was or something like that. You know, that's he, wasn't I mean, he's, he developing a shoe line too. Right. He's always reading. He's always like, I don't know, like he had a I'm book. Happy. He had a book club when he was with the Raiders. He was right. reading a book a month and like blogging about it or something. He's built but, different. No, absolutely. Like I'm I'm obsessed with like football covering this one NFL team is enough for me. That's enough for my brain. For Mari Cooper, it's like, no, no, I play football. Yeah, but. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm reading this. I'm kind of like learning about this stuff all the time. Like he's constantly like trying to grow and, 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 you know, find out different things, but yeah, no, he's, he's one of the most interesting guys. If you can get him to open up and start talking. Amari Cooper's dating profile on Bumble or hinge You've or uh, the league is very extensive. I feel like NFL player would be at the bottom of it. It would right. be like humanitarian citizen. <laughs> like it would just literally go down the list. And right. then it would say NFL football player. He would not lead with it is my is my takeaway from my experience dealing with him. John, uh, can you confirm the rumors that Dak Prescott's arm has fallen off? You know, it hasn't fallen off. But, <laughs> That's uh, good. You see he has both of them still? He still has both of Go them. I, I think it was interesting to hear Troy Aikman on the broadcast during the game talk about how, you know, obviously a guy that's played, not only played for the Cowboys, but you know, Troy was around a lot of the same medical staff that the Cowboys have currently. And so for him to sit there and kind of point out that this might be a little bit more than what they're leading on was interesting to say the least. Um, the thing I keep going back to is so when a pitcher throws a pitch that like, you know, and then right when it's, they injure themselves, they grimace, grab their elbow, grab their shoulder, whatever. I was watching Dak the entire time this happened because I'll be honest with you. I watched the offense probably 85% of the time when I'm out of camp. And that's not, that's probably not me doing my job to the best of my abilities, but that's what I'm doing. And so I noticed in the drill they were doing, I'm like, Oh, Dak's not in this thing. Cause normally like, it's just like with Des, like 
they weren't going to have any of the backups like throw to Dez in training camp. If Dez is stepping up on the line, Romo's throwing him if Romo's practicing that day. Well, it's the same way with when Dak's out there. It's like no one else is throwing a CD. If Dak's, well, then CD went and Dak didn't throw. I was like, that's interesting. Well, then he's talking to their head athletic trainer, Jim Maurer, and, and not grimacing or anything. It was just kind of like almost how I would describe it almost like if you kind of woke up in the morning and like, you're just like, man, my neck feels weird. Like, I don't know how I slept last night, but it, my neck is just sore. And that's, and like, so Mauer started like grabbing, like he just was like grabbing his shoulder and going through like a series of tests and, and Dak was moving around his shoulder fine and didn't appear to be in much pain at all. And even stayed out there at practice. And then it was kind of like, well, I'm not going to do anything. I might as well go in and get this evaluate and get this, you know, this x-ray or whatever like that. And so it's hard for me to think that it's still this major thing, right? And I know the Cowboys aren't going to tell you everything, but I'm still kind of like, if they think it's this bad, why is he even out there running? And I mean, cause this is the other thing. Like if you went to one of these training camp practices and you saw Dak on the cords, you'd be like, why is he doing all of this? <laughs> okay. I'm not sitting here saying that, that quarterbacks in the NFL are divas and they don't do anything, but they don't work. Most of them don't work out like that. They have their days, they throw, they do certain things like that. They're not killing it in the weight room, generally speaking. They're not killing it on the cords in, in the middle of a practice that they really don't need to be doing that. I mean, he doesn't have like a, you know, a medium speed. It's just full speed all the time. Like, why is he doing all of that if there's a seriousness to this? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Here's the whole thing that fascinates me about all this, John, because you're, you're hitting a lot of the touch points that, I, that I'm going to bring up here. When I, 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 I am, the this NFL network setup is right in front of him, and he is literally going through these drills, holding a football, running across the bags, running back across, you know, the bags on the ground, going through his footwork. He's twisting the hips. But even when you're running 
with the resistance cords, you're, you're pumping your arms. So for people listening on the podcast, you can't see me do this, but I am literally pumping my arms back and forth to give you more power when you're running. If that shoulder is in pain so much, you're not moving it that way. But still, when we're seeing him going, going through the motions, he's sort of marking plays uh, with the, the backup quarterbacks during quarterback drills. He's always tossing the football with his left arm. And we even saw him at practice throwing to, you know, wide receivers just to have a guy throwing the ball with his left hand. So he's not using it that much. But on that particular day, like you, it was one of those kind of like his injury you know, with the ankle, it was just kind of this innocuous play. You're like, how did that happen? But he's been so vague about it. Like he hasn't really told us how it happened or, you know, it wasn't like, did I just wake up with that weird crink in my neck and I can't move it? Like he hasn't explained that too much. And then when I'm listening to the report with Jay Glazer last night, he's like, oh, this is a baseball type injury. And they've consulted with the Texas Rangers baseball team. Well, I've put out some feelers to see if I can get info that way. And everybody is being so quiet about this thing and even when terry bradshaw was was pushing him a little bit more last night we'll explain where the the injury is it's like under the shoulder like under the arm he's being very vague about it that's the only thing that i find very curious and if it's not that big of a deal i understand not putting him in the team drills but you're what we're almost a two weeks out from this thing's what starting tuesday will be two weeks removed from when it happened because it happened on the 28th right 28th yep yeah we're still not seeing him do much, but then the day that it happened, he had a prearranged interview with the local media, which again was pushed back a couple hours, which is when I was like, spidey senses are going off. Nancy drew bells, something's up. He comes out there, does the interview. He's not a guy that is, that is downtrodden after spending an entire off season to come back and get the ankle. I mean, he could have said, I don't feel like doing media today. I'm in the dumps. Like the, the information was so bad. I can't talk to people. He didn't come out with it iced. He's been in great spirits. And to your point, like I said, going 110% during the rehab and we don't see him throwing. So I think a lot of us, we're not trying to sound the alarms on it. We're not getting a lot of information on it. We're on just a wait and see approach the same way that the fans are. So I just think it's fascinating that a lot of us that cover this team have a lot of sources. We don't have a lot of information on this either. So if you're wondering why we didn't leave the show with this, and I'm not talking about it more is I don't really know what to say other than what they're telling us and what we've seen. Right. And then, you know, you don't have to go that far back. Just go back to the start of training camp last year. I remember getting out to the Ford center and then them leading us outside for that first practice and being like, I wonder how this thing's going to go. Like I'm not used to training camp out here at the star. So they lead us over to this Hill on the back part of the, where we never would normally stand. Cause they were just kind of going through the motions of trying to figure out how they're going to set this up. And here's Sean Lee and Lyle Collins, like on the resistance course. (laughs) And I'm just kind of like, well, what's going on here? And, you know, for the next at least week, if not longer, it was like, oh, you know, Sean's got this, you know, hernia. He's, he's, uh, you know, sports hernia he's recovering from. And Lyle, you know, just came in a little bit out of shape is is a big thing you heard. Next thing you know, like, uh, you know, Sean's going to get surgery. Lyle's getting surgery. His season's done. So it's like, there's always going to be a part of you in the back of your mind where you're like, you can't fully believe everything that you hear on these injuries, because if it's not something that's like all of a sudden, like, okay, this is going to be season ending. They're going to give the player the chance to try and like, let's kind of see what we can do here over the next couple of weeks, because surgery is always the last option. They don't want to do surgery unless they absolutely have to. 
And when I say that, I'm talking about Lyle and Sean. I'm not talking about Dak here. Because to me right now, and again, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I think for Dak, the biggest issue that he would run into with this particular injury is that he'd have to play through some pain. Like, I don't think this is all of a sudden like, oh, this is going to be season ending. You know, you better go out and sign a better uh, backup, something like that. As of right now, I think it's one of those deals where they're like, let's try and get this thing calmed down as much as possible. Let's get him on a pinch count when he comes back. We're not going to be having him throwing any bombs. Let's just have him work on intermediate stuff and like kind of get back into it so that he's not going into week one and the arm is just, you know, super sore and he has to get it shot up or anything like that. You know, I I don't think this is going to be something where all of a sudden he's going to need surgery. That's all I'm saying. And my only concern with all that is just the offense has just not been able to get in a rhythm. You know, we haven't had Tyron uh, Smith out there because the elbow tendonitis uh, Amari Cooper hasn't been out there. And so even last night, they didn't seem sharp. I just, he keeps talking about continuity and availability and getting the cadence down and getting better at the line of scrimmage. And you're not going to fix all of that until you get your quarterback back. And so that's the only thing that I would say starting out the season. But if there's one thing that Dak said last night, it's like, I'll be ready to go for the Tampa game. I believe him. Like he's ahead of schedule. And it's to me wild that given the nature of that injury and the things that we were being told after it happened by people who had had similar injuries, that he had no setbacks at that ankle. And when you watch him at practice, it's not heavily taped up. He clearly is you know, he's not worried about that ankle, the way he moves on it. That's to me, the most shocking thing about, I expected the ankle to maybe limit him a little bit. They'd be cautious with it. But with this thing, I just don't know what to make of the shoulder to be completely honest. I, based on everyone I've spoken to. I just don't know what to make of it. But, and I mean, just as John kind of pointed out, just like, let's think back just through recent history, Lyle Collins and Sean Lee got shut down out of nowhere after a little bit of like, a, Oh, it's not nearly as bad. All of a sudden it's Sean Lee's out multiple weeks. Lyle Collins out for the season. Uh, a couple weeks into last year, we kept hearing uh, something's up with Tyron Smith. And then all of a sudden it's Tyron Smith's having surgery. His season's over. Uh, you go back to the year before Amari Cooper was having injury issues with his uh, I can't remember where it was, but Amari was having injury issues the second half of the season. They kept saying he's healthy. He's healthy. Dak Prescott. You talk to people in that building, that shoulder issue he had going into the Philly game. You talk to people who were there. They go, that was more serious than we were talking about at the time. He probably shouldn't have played yeah. against Philadelphia. Go back the year before, Leighton Van Der Esch's neck. This was something that they got. Des Bryant's Shouldn't knee in 2017 or 16. This has been an ongoing issue with them. Shame on me for not thinking about that shoulder back in Philly. I mean, is there any chance that this is connected? I don't know no, if that's the I, same I shoulder, so, is that it? Was like, yeah, that was like an AC joint. And uh, I think that, because here's the thing, like you mentioned, Jane, Terry Bradshaw, even though Dak didn't maybe answer it directly, and what I took away from that is that he agreed with Terry that it is underneath the arm, that it is on, on his side more than is above the, sh- above the shoulder, which was, would be your AC joint. And I, I, I don't see any connection there. I, I also want to say what the Cowboys are doing though with him. I have no issues with it all. Like, cause you know, Jane, you mentioned the, everybody getting a rhythm again, the same page. Like I honestly don't even care about that. I, I mean, the way the NFL is nowadays, I don't think we're that far away from them not even having preseason games and you just go into week one and it's, and it's such a long season. I mean, you look at the way the Bucks started out last year. I'm just fine with like that. anybody, well, and- anybody cares if they win that first game against the Bucks. Like, yeah, it'll be fun to like brag about because they just, whatever, but that's not what it's about. It's about getting to week one healthy and build from there because yeah, they got to work on their timing and things like that. But 
with all the weapons they have, it shouldn't take that long. If And if it takes the first couple of games of the season, so be it. You're not winning or losing, especially with the awful division they're in. You're not losing in, in, in your playoff spot or your playoff chances if you're not quite clicking in those first couple of games. I would, I'm, I'm far, far more on the side of error, on the side of caution with these guys um, because I know how quickly going, as Jason Garrett would say, bone on bone, um, how quickly you can have Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson. And I'm not saying that that stuff, because they practiced like that in the past, they had injuries like that, but I, I would rather go into that first game, not being a rhythm than go in that first game being like, well, we're not going to have our best offensive lineman and our, our starting quarterback. Well, uh, no, well, I- and real quick to your point, I do think that it helps the Cowboys got so much done during OTAs and minicamp. I think even though I talked to another team who didn't uh, participate in OTAs and they weren't worried about it, I think this team needed that. I think it helped them in the the bonding department, the installation department. So we'll see. I, I just camp has been a little boring to your point, and I have focused on certain areas, but it's just so hard to say what we can expect from this team, uh, given what we saw last season and some of these injuries. And I, I think the, I think all of us agree. Dak is probably it's probably exactly what we're being told. It's just the issue with the shoulder. It's rest. It's conservative treatment, and he'll be fine. It's just there is this little part of you that goes, this feels like deja vu with other injuries we've dealt with before. And the one that it was the quote from McCarthy that breaking it down a little bit where he said, we've kind of taken a step back, not a step back in rehab, but even saying a step back to look at it differently. It's like, well, okay, that means at least you felt like you weren't approaching it the right way necessarily right when you found out about it. And then after research and looking at, okay, so you needed to do more research into this thing than you initially thought you had to. And when you did, you came away going, we need to play this even more differently. And then it's, we're just being a little bit more conservative with the rehab. We don't want this to turn into something big. So again, it seems like you're insinuating, this is something that could turn into something big if we play this wrong. And so it's just these little tiny things. It it reminds me so much of 2019 Garrett getting up there when we all thought Leighton Vander Ash had had a neck stinger and Garrett goes, we don't think it's career threatening. You know, we just wanted to calm down a little bit. It's like, okay, Jason, you just ramped it up significantly that this is a much more serious deal. And it's turned out to be something he's dealt with for a while. So that's just the only thing. Dak is probably fine. Dak, it's probably exactly what we're hearing. But there is just this little bit of like, you know, this is very familiar with other things we've dealt with. So when I was poking around about the Rangers correlation, since this is more of a pitcher's type injury, I was told it can be very serious and take a picture out for a season or it can be masked by a cortisone shot. So I think there's just a wide range of possibilities. I think that's why we're all sort of being careful too, is we don't want to sound the alarms, seeing what we've seen just from our perspective, the way he's interacted with players, the coaching staff, going to the drills, it doesn't feel significant, but we're all going to wait and see. What do you think uh, old number four is going to do there? Coming off of missing almost the entire season last year, getting a brand new contract. I think he's probably going to get some shots if he needs to. Yeah. I say we bring Romo back. Oh, I God, say you stop tough. being so negative. They haven't even started the <laughs> season yet, and you're just so negative, Bobby. I know, I know. I, without Jason Garrett's optimism around the building, I struggle myself. Well, hold on, Bobby. How'd you feel before 14 and 16? I feel like some of this year kind of reminds 16, me. 16, I with- felt great because I believed in Dak Prescott, damn it. Well, I guess from the Jerry Jones perspective, <laughs> some of this is felt like 14 and 16 to me where like Jerry is really trying to be guarded about saying anything bold, whether it be to us at that, uh, you know, press conference to kind of kick off the start of training camp, the times he's been 
two different times talking to the fans in Oxnard. And there's been times in the past where he's talked about, you know, coming out and seeing us kick the Giants ass in week one, stuff like that. And and we haven't seen that Jerry Jones. I mean, for I mean, heck, Jane, he goes on with you guys and talks about how week one could be David versus Goliath. I'm like, Jerry, come on. Now, what are we doing <laughs> exactly. Here? You know, so like it reminds me a little bit of 14 and 16 with him, where I think he's trying to do this on purpose, where it's like, maybe if I downplay it, like I did those years talking about it, how it'd be an uphill battle. And then we caught lightning on a bottle. Like maybe we can do that again, you know, reverse so, psychology. There you go. Well, John, I always appreciate having you on the show. I know that uh, you've got a lot of stuff to do while you are back in Dallas before you get back to the beat. So thank you for taking time with us. We always say it's going to be 15 minutes, but we always have robust conversations with you spanning all areas of this team, whether it be social media clicks or whether it actually be injury reports. So thank you for dropping by the show. And you can find John on Twitter, on Instagram. Plug your handle, my friend. No, it's just at John Machota, so at J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. But thanks for having me on, guys. I'll do this anytime. I always have a good time. You're the best. He comes on the show, and he's also my designated driver when we go to Jerry Jones Media (laughs) Parties. (laughs) I appreciate you, bud. No problem. Anytime. All right, thanks again to John Machota from The Athletic for stopping by. Always good chat with John. Uh, Lots of stuff to look forward to coming up. Uh, This was just the first of five preseason games. Uh, We'll continue to cross our fingers on Dak Prescott and that shoulder of his, and uh, we'll be talking about it with you guys over the course of the next month as we head towards week one versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.